the Free For All Roundtable. Round two. On round two today, let's see. Brad Bradford is here, Toronto City Councillor. Tim Hudak, former leader of Ontario's Conservatives. He's now at the Ontario Real Estate Association. News Talk 1010's Adjua Nsia Yabois is here as well. All right, Brad Bradford, we'll start with the Toronto City budget. We ended up, it consumed the entire first round. I hope we'll get to some other topics, but I can't ignore the presence of a more conservative city councillor who has already been somewhat condemnatory of a 10.5% tax increase. Um, but I want to circle back to a question I asked you twice yesterday, and, and, and that was, where would you cut? And you didn't have any answers yesterday. Do you have any today? Well, and I appreciate you teed it up on the first round, and we would talk about that core services review. And for everyone who's been listening to the show, look, last September, I asked the mayor and city council to undertake this work. Uh, everybody scoffs at it. They say, oh, we don't, we don't want to know. We don't want to do that work. The reality is, the last time this was done in the city of Toronto was over a decade ago. Right. More than and 10 years. And we didn't years. do anything. And, but, but the world has changed quite a bit. And the pandemic, the amount of service delivery, uh, the absorption, the downloading that came as a res- result of that would suggest that this is a really good time to go back and look for those savings, look for the efficiencies, and try to have that conversation with other levels of government, maybe identify some things that Toronto is doing today that we ought not to be. We could have had that information. And it's not such a... Right. you know, maverick idea. The city of Vancouver is literally doing that right now. But surely some of these things should be self-evident. You know, that you could say this budget envelope you, is ridiculous. You could have a conversation right now. For example, yeah. the mayor, Olivia Chow, as part of her 10.5% double-digit tax hike, has increased the budget floor by $300 million this year. So we're talking about the 6% and we're going after the feds right now. $300 million is actually more than that. That's $300 million of new spending. Last year, we had an opening pressure of $1.5 billion. It is now $1.8. And that's, for example, the TTC service operating at 100% pre-pandemic levels, but we're not at pre-pandemic ridership levels. So there is a cost and that cost is being passed on to taxpayers. It's not at the Box. So those are choices that she has made, adding $300 million to the opening pressure, trying to point the finger and blame everybody else. But that is a decision that she's made. And I just think it's completely tone deaf in this affordability crisis to go out and table the highest tax increase the city has ever seen at a time when people are struggling to get by. Okay, Tim Hudak, I'll turn it over to you. And bear in mind, of course, she didn't say much yesterday. She's letting Shelley Carroll mostly carry the ball at the moment. But the mayor said... I inherited a mess. Well, then fix the mess instead of trying to paper over it with the the, the biggest tax increase in Toronto's uh, history. Um, look, this is simply unaffordable. I mean, Brad laid out a, an excellent uh, case there on on sensitivity in, a, in an affordability crisis. But let me point out something significantly fundamental here. And, and no offense, John Moore, I think you are outstanding. Love Agar as well, but my favorite News Talk 1010 host, Deb Hutton, at the Rush, <laughs> the afternoons, pointed out yesterday, get this, I was listening closely. Well, you and you I know don't much, live together. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know how much spending has actually increased in Toronto last five years? In 18, 2018, it was $11.1 billion. Proposal now, $17.17 billion. That's an over for 50% increase in spending in the city of Toronto. How, how many listeners have increased their spending 50%? over the last five years. That well exceeds inflation. you got growth coming in from revenues in a larger city. I mean, get back to basics. Make the fundamental changes and restructuring that may have never occurred. But with a 50% increase in spending, come on, you can pair that back.
Okay, Adjua, I'll turn it over to you. Sounds like you're in a very noisy newsroom this morning. I am in a very noisy newsroom this morning, but uh, it is with this uh, tax budget. This is this is this increase to uh, property taxes just. I don't know. It's it's a lot for taxpayers that have to deal with this. When you think about it in the grand scheme of things, there is an exorbitant police budget. Uh, there is a lot of money added to the TTC. Uh, I agree with Brad. You should be able to go line by line and probably look for things that you can actually cut because putting it on the backs of taxpayers during inflation where food is expensive, where gas is expensive, it does come across as very tone-deaf housing and mortgages are coming up for renewal for a lot of people. So I don't know where they think they're getting this money from. Taxpayers just don't have the money. I understand there needed to be some sort of increase, but a double-digit one, and it might go up to 16, get that money from the feds. It is theirs. We should have it, and we should be able to get those services for immigration that's coming into Toronto. It's just ridiculous to me in a lot of ways. Uh, That's exactly right. And and the last thing I want to say on this is... You know, it's hard to have those conversations with other levels of government when we cannot demonstrate that we have looked internally for cost-saving measures and for savings. Right. Whether you would do that through a core service review, which I always thought was a good idea, uh, but even this fictional notion of $600 million that they're trying to say they've identified as savings. Let me be very clear for listeners about the mayor's magic math on that one. Divisions come forward and they propose a budget. You propose an 8% increase to the budget. Maybe you come back with 4%. That 4% difference, that delta, those are the savings that they're trying to trumpet as money saved. If a division floats a big budget and they trim it back a little bit, they're saying those are savings. But that's that's not year-over-year savings. You actually have to look at 2023, the dollars spent on a division department-by-department basis, and identify savings there. Not fictitious numbers that you're floating out that never actually materialized and had a dollar expense on the ledger. And, and Tim is absolutely right. The spending, the growth of the bureaucracy, the growth of the budget and the spending is out of control. And that's why you're getting an out of control tax bill. Let's move on to a few other issues, including the Ford government moving Service Ontario locations to Staples outlets. Adjua, I'll start with you on this one. I know some people are philosophically opposed to stuff like this, but I just don't see the issue. I'm fine going to a Service Ontario counter at Canadian Tire or Staples. When you're thinking about moving Service Ontario locations, why is it being done in the first place? They're saying no uh, parking, and uh, the Ford government is also saying that bigger spaces. But if you're in an actual other store, you're in a Staples, and if you've ever been into a Staples, where are they putting that? Are they going to cordon off the area? These lines, when you go to Service Ontario, they're very, very long. Are they going to just go in and out of the lanes when people are just trying to shop for their staples goods i just i don't understand what the purpose of moving it to another store to create more congestion for another retail outlet it just it doesn't really make sense to me and it just in i'm not too sure but it almost makes me think maybe it is a privatization thing and is it going to cost more for these services because it's in a staples i just have a lot of questions and not a lot of answers all right tim hudak i'm andrew and i are definitely not on the same page because i have not had issues in the past as a matter of fact i'd prefer to be able to do all this stuff online oh yeah i mean i'm, I'm voting with john moore on this one uh then <laughs> I, I love these types of initiatives that put the consumer first i mean every day seems like we're run off our feet trying to get things done for ourselves for our family for work and if it makes it more convenient 
with longer hours to have government services provided online or at places where you're already shopping, fantastic. To Adjua's question, no, this doesn't increase costs. They get paid the same uh, rate uh, as they do uh, currently. And I think a partnership with, with Staples is fantastic. You know, John, I was, uh, it was controversial when I suggested that we should reduce the size and cost of government, uh, starting with about 100,000 workers, largely through attrition, but also through having private sector deliver public services that are more convenient, more affordable, and higher quality for the consumer. This is a classic example of the philosophy. I just hope they expand it to other retail outlets as well. And Brad Bradford, you get the last word on this one. It has always been, I guess it's a paradigm shift. We've always thought government services should be provided in an environment that seems almost like a bank. You know, there almost has to be a temple aspect. And then all of a sudden we, real, we realize, no, not really. All you need is a counter and a computer. Yeah, and you know what? And it's always been a horror show to go and seek out those government offices to renew your license or your passport. Like, it's not a pleasant experience. I'm, I'm with you guys on this one. Last time I renewed the license somewhere in and around the pandemic, don't really remember but i know it was at canadian tire at lakeshore and leslie and you walk in uh service counter i I got through there frankly a hell of a lot faster than i thought it was going to do and i was able to pick up some swiffer pads and armor all material uh for the vehicle as well so convenience and getting it done faster this is common sense federal conservatives are not letting up on justin trudeau's caribbean getaway um tim i'll start with you on this i i mean i understand and then i also think this is just opposition gonna opposition yeah, it's 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 open wound though, John, and that's that's classic opposition politics. And why is it an open wound? Because uh, the prime minister has made mistakes before, been been called out by the integrity commission about these types of vacations. So you keep going on that. It, it, there was a lot of confusion out of the gate whether the facts were on the table, honestly uh, or not. But most importantly, this is something that Canadians understand, right? At a time of an affordability crisis, when people are trying to save up every buck to take some time off with their family, to see the Prime Minister you know, vacationing at this because of his connections, that that does reinforce the notion of a Prime Minister who is out of touch with the major anxieties of our country. Brad Bradford, the suggestion is that this property could have been rented out for $80,000 during the time that Justin Trudeau and company were there. Ergo, it's an $80,000 gift, so it's a bribe. Yeah, you know, it's uncomfortable because that's a lot more money than most Canadians make. And the idea that you're spending that kind of cake on a vacation does seem a little bit disconnected. Um, You know, my understanding, this was cleared through the Integrity Commissioner or the proper powers that be up there in Ottawa. But, you know, to Tim's point, this is an open wound. You've seen this stuff before with with the Prime Minister, and and he is very much entitled to a vacation. I think he's a very hardworking uh, public servant, as as most politicians are. Uh, But the real challenge is they were having some momentum on housing. Sean Fraser was doing great work. They had some wins coming into the end of the year, and now you got cabinet ministers out on the podium and pundits here at 1010 talking about this, rather than the work that the government's trying to do that Canadians actually probably care about. Adjua, is it an $80,000 bribe or is this just how the rich gonna rich? It's how the rich are gonna rich and it just it's the optics look bad and it's all the backlash that is coming at Justin Trudeau's way that is making this a story and the conservatives are eating it up and it's working to their benefit because uh, because of the state of the liberal party and what they're in right now so yeah, yeah. this is not shocking to me it's the rich are gonna rich I don't think it's a bribe at all. And there are some new polling numbers that I'll get into on the other side of the news but there's enough time on the clock to tackle one more thing 
and that would be Toronto's traffic. I have to take advantage of the presence of Adjua. I know you were a <laughs> special guest with us earlier in the show, but uh, different listeners right now. We're apparently the third slowest city to travel in in the world by measure of how, if I remember correctly, the measure is how long it takes you to get through 10 kilometers? Yeah, it's 29 minutes. 29 yeah. minutes in any stretch of the downtown core uh, to get anywhere uh, within 10 kilometers. So it, it that's a horrible thing. And this is past the pandemic and uh, driving levels are back up to even worse than they were before. Uh, just navigating around the city is uh, quite the nightmare. And if you do have to drive, it's horrible. There's either construction on every ulterior route. If you're on Adelaide and you're trying to go on another street, maybe uh, head towards Queen or King, nope. there's construction. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. It's faster for me to get from my house. I'm in Vaughan. Off the highway to my house, it's about the same distance than getting from my work to the entrance ramp that takes you onto Spadina. So that says a lot. Okay, but Brad Bradford, that's just 29 minutes people can spend with us. Well, there you go. We're <laughs> lucky to have Adjua guiding us all on our journeys, but it's a frustrating experience for Toronto drivers, and that's why, you know, like, frankly, eight times out of ten, I'm on a bike. It's uh, it's not an ideological thing. It's just, frankly, the easiest You ride way. in the winter? I do ride in the winter. I did not ride today. I rode the TTC the better way, uh, but <laughs> depending on who you ask and what time you travel. But, uh, look, this is not a surprise. It's not a, a list that we want to be in the top three on, but it is people's day-to-day experience. Experience. It's a horror show in the core. Uh, you know, my view is this is not a priority at City Hall. That's why we stack all these projects on top of each other and say just deal with it. But it makes us less competitive, and it certainly makes people more frustrated. That's our time. My thanks to Brad Bradford, Tim Hudak, and Andrew Insia Yabois. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.